0: Welcome to the Why God Why podcast brought to you by Browncroft Community Church. My name is Dylan Carnavale and I'm the Browncroft staff and producer of the show. I'm joined today by our host, Peter Englert, the director of adult ministries at Browncroft, and John Amile, the New York State crew director. Why God Why is a podcast where we ask 21st century questions about God that you never thought you could. Today we have Michael Hennessy. He's a marketing consultant and radio host. And we're talking about Why God Why
1: Do You Care What Job That I Choose? So the you in that is God.
0: So, right. right. Yeah. Why Johnny, God do John, you care? Or, yeah, yeah. That yeah sounds
1: John, good. John, John that, that's so creative. You're a you're content person. Yeah. So I'm really excited to talk to uh, Michael because I think this is something every decade of your life you're asking. And I think that as a church in Christianity, we haven't connected the dots of how my job and my career makes a difference. And so to have someone that's walked through three or four career changes, um, I think it's going to be super helpful. John, what are some of your thoughts to this?
0: Yeah, I mean, this is one of the common questions that we'll get in one form or another from people. So I know this is going to be a very applicable uh, topic today. I know that there's people listening here today who are really wondering about this. Like, God, do you really care about which job I have? And if so, why? And if not, why not? And uh So I think our guest happens to be a really great example of that. I've already discovered pre-show taping here that he has had a wide variety of jobs. So this is going to be a fun uh, combo, I know, and I think you guys as an audience are going to love him too. So let's welcome our guest, uh, Michael Hennessy, to the show. Thanks, Michael.
2: Oh, guys, thanks for having me. Yeah. So excited. Listen, if you're looking for a guy that just has three to four career changes, who do we get? Because I've got about eleven. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'll, well, yeah. you know before we get into it, I mean just uh I mean list it off I mean, what have been some of your careers?
2: so I did write a few things down here. let me just see where I lifted it so I left high school in nineteen seventy six sorry guys, you know I got it you go. think like a twenty four I just yeah. have to shave thirty six years off there. and I'm right there not okay.
1: a problem. hey the the bicentennial,
2: yeah, I was a bicentennial boy, absolutely sales high in nineteen seventy six um Went right out of uh, high school into the New York National Guard. I watched my brother go through uh, college loans. You know, back then it was, he went to Cobble School for, I think, four grand, you know, or yeah. something like that. But it was, he had built up a bunch of uh, debt for school and I didn't want to. So I went to, I didn't want to do that. So I went in the National Guard, figured I'd go to basic training. If I hate it, I can handle, you know, a weekend a month and two weeks out of the summer. Um, went to, uh, and 19, I was 19 years old, they sent me to officer school. Which mm-hmm. was really, you know, we were like looking at Buddy and I, us. You want us to go to officer, and we did. We went to officer school. We came back as nineteen-year-old second lieutenants, and uh, I went to work as a prudential insurance agent after that.
0: After that, after that was that, how old were you when you were a prudential? I, I was
2: nineteen and 19. a half, twenty years old. Jeez. Yeah, okay. so I was, uh, an, I was a nineteen-year-old second lieutenant, and most of those guys. I went to school with all the, they were all 22, 23 year old West Point grads in wow. the school. So they were, you know, in that age, that's a lot older. And uh, all my colleagues at Prudential Insurance were 40. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I had this – all this great liftoff from high school, O school, and uh, Prudential Insurance agent. And then I blew my knee out playing rugby for the Fort Benning Flyers wow. uh, against Florida State. And that kind of changed the inflection of my military career and uh, and i and i mentioned that the, uh, when the paperwork caught up to me i was too smart to stay in change my mos and retire as a full bird girdle at 38 and start yeah. a new career because
0: 38 seems at that age you might as well be 80 right, right, right. yeah
2: <laughs> i could start a new career as pottery you know yeah. and, but and with with all the bennies but i was too smart to do that you know i had the I had the little angel, I wasn't saved yet, but I had the little angel on my one shoulder saying, oh, you're wasting your youth, all your colleagues are middle-aged men, you're, all your friends are out of college, or having fun, go do something fun. And I knew some friends in Florida who were waiting on table in the Gulf of Mexico with a nice resort, and they said, why don't you come down here and wait table? So I did, and I packed up everything and quit the guard and quit the prudential insurance agent and drove to Florida and waited table at the South Seas Plantation. It was a very high-end luxury resort. And uh, became a back waiter, then a head waiter, then a, a pool bar uh, bartender overlooking the golf. It was, it was neat. And uh, we got bored with that. A buddy of mine and we said, well, what are we going to do now? This is just going to last another winter. What do we do? Well, we could go to the Cape Cod. That's where a lot of kids and they work the summer. Well, that only lasts the summer, and then we'll have to come back here. Let's go to Honolulu. <laughs> so I drove my car to Geneva and uh, sold the car, and we hopped on a plane and we flew to Honolulu. And we got a, by the two, the first two weeks we landed on the beach and, uh, uh, cause that's what you do when you go to Honolulu and right. when you're out of money, you go looking for a job. And the beautiful thing about getting a job in the restaurant business is you get an employee meal that day. So <laughs> we were starving. So, yeah. and that worked out good. So I got a job waiting table at, in Honolulu and, uh, that lasted for about another, each place Florida and Honolulu, it was about a year, came back and, uh, 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 came back to Geneva, New York, where I grew up and went to school, and uh, began selling used cars. I sold cars for about two years, and then uh, moved to Syracuse. And uh, I that was my same buddy that I lived with in Florida and Honolulu ended up in Syracuse. I had lost track of him. He called me from Syracuse. He said, "Come on, we got a we got a new gig in Syracuse." And I moved to Syracuse. I managed a bar, and then the guy I was buying a lot of beer from said, "Hey." You're you're pretty sharp. You should come and sell beer for me. And that's my, you know, had I been a spiritual man at that time, I would said this is a divine moment. And
0: uh, and you probably said that even though you weren't a spiritual yes, man, right?
2: <laughs> I knew enough to know this was divine.
0: And uh, sell beer, okay. Nineteen
2: eighty four. I learned you can sell what you love when I got my first job selling beer. When I sold beer for uh, Best Brands Beverage, a little distributor ship out of Syracuse for. Nine years there, became a sales supervisor. And then uh, there was a d- beer distributor here in uh, Rochester, and it's called Wright Distributing. Now, you see their trucks around. Wright Wisner, when I was hurt, I was, uh, uh, they heard about me. I was, uh, I was pretty efficient in strong sales and beer. I mean, I sold so much Guinness, they sent me to Ireland twice. Really? Just to thank me. For and real?
0: For they real. Did? Oh, oh, wow. Yeah,
2: yeah they, have, they have what they, for their, their annual trip for sales incentives was a four-day beer crawl in Dublin. Wow. They pour, they, you know, they drop you off in Dublin and after four days they pour you back on a plane and send you home. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, and we, and, and I stayed. Uh, if you're going to bring me to Dublin, I'm a Hennessy. I mean, I'm staying. Right. And I stayed for an extra three days both times, crisscrossed the country and just craziness. So anyway, the, uh, Wright Wisner heard of me and, the— Uh, The Guinness rep didn't – I was going to leave where I was in Syracuse. He didn't want me going for another distributorship that didn't sell Guinness. So he cooked me up with the Guinness guy in Rochester. (laughs) And I came and worked uh, for Wright Wisner here for five years. And uh, then I had – that's when I had a spiritual change in my inflection in life in 1997. I got saved in 89 – Didn't really do anything about it for six years. I call it escaping my flames years. I wasn't. I wasn't serving God. I wasn't reading my Bible. I was just escaping the flames. Yeah. Uh, But in '97, I was at uh, had met my wife Kathy and had started going to church and sat in a class. uh, It was a class on under uh, understanding God covenants.
0: Yeah.
2: And it was in that moment that the Holy Spirit hit me and uh, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit sitting there and. From that point on, I asked God to use my gifts and talents to advance the kingdom in 1997.
0: Wow! You so guys want me to that? stop talking you know, no, for well, one second? No, well, no. <laughs> that, I mean, <sighs> that <laughs> you're you're talking, and that's just like, holy cow! Crazy. <laughs>
1: well, and, and I life story. I, well, no, I gotta. You just went through twenty years of your life in five minutes. That's that's a skill,
0: but that is, yeah. I mean, as you're talking, so there's so many questions that are coming to my mind. <laughs> my imagine. goodness, I, I mean, imagine. there's a ton there, but I, I'm just, I'm like fascinated with this last thing that you just mentioned, your spiritual experience. You know, I mean, we got a lot of people who are listening to this who who don't claim to follow Jesus. They're just kind of checking this out. And yeah, that's why... Neither, was, actually, I. Yeah.
2: neither was I. Wasn't. Yeah,
0: yeah, and that's why we have this podcast is so yeah. that people can check him out and go yeah. and hear from people who have been in the same spot in their yeah. life. So what was it in that moment, 97, that you look back on and you go... Wow, this hit me in that moment, and I, I, I knew that my life was different.
2: You know, it's a it's a great question. I'll just go back a little bit to '89 when I first got saved. My mother had passed away in '85, and uh, uh, she had gone into the hospital for 30 days here in Highland Hospital. Uh, I was in Syracuse managing the bar, mm-hmm. so we're had. And when she called me, and she had had this rare anemia for several years, but there was no cancer, and I was opening up this bar in Syracuse as a bar manager. And uh, she called me one night. It was night we were a- actually opening our grand opening. She said, well, Mike, you know, I am just uh, just want to let you know that they found the cancer. I have leukemia and I'm going in for chemotherapy starting tomorrow at Highland. And, and my reaction to that was, mom, what, you, you can't tell me that right now. I got a restaurant full of people. I got all this stuff going on. I'm You know, my schedule just doesn't have any time in it for this. Mm. Wow. was how I handled my mom's diagnosis. Right. I visited her. She went in the Highland for two rounds of chemotherapy. And uh, I was able to find one time to visit her in that 30 days in my busy schedule career to visit my mom dying in the hospital. So it was that guilt that brought me to my knees in 1989 my brother was with her when she was in the when she passed away and he was living in New York City at the time but he was he had the the, the wherewithal to know that he needed to go and visit mom and uh, he was with her and when she died he was there and you know we were all non-practicing Catholics at the time and and he just his his he had a he went on a quest that day. he wanted to know where mom went mm. And he went back to New York and then L.A. pursuing where mom went. And uh, he, you know my brother. I'd love to have him sitting in this chair next to us. But he's uh, he investigated it all. He went digging. And he investigated everything. And I mean everything. And he found a King James Bible and he got saved. Wow. And, and so, uh,
0: so for some of our listeners who are like, got saved, that's a weird term for me. Yeah. What is – what are – that experience what did, what did that do for him what was that moment for him that he was like wow this is he
2: came he came uh to the conclusion that mom went to be with Jesus and that's where he wanted to go and he made him lord and savior of his life yeah mm-hmm. and uh, uh and uh, uh he was convinced and uh then he started working on me Right. I'm selling beer in Syracuse. He's getting saved in LA and he starts sending me Bibles and tracks and Bibles highlighted all the way through with all the keyboards and I'm going like, Oh my god, Dan, jeez. You know, this is great. I'm glad you found something. Get a job, man. You know. Because yeah. you got too much time for this stuff, and then one in Christmas of eighty nine, he came home for Christmas, uh, and he determined he wasn't going to leave me where he found me, and mm. he came and visit me at my apartment in Syracuse, and uh, uh, knew to started bringing up mom, and it was it was it was the guilt associated with how I handled my mom's death that brought me to my knees, and I received. God is my Lord and Jesus is my Lord and Savior that day. And then he went back to L.A. Yeah. So I didn't have—I wasn't discipled. Yeah. And uh, I cleaned up a lot of the—I cleaned up a lot of, you know, things that I considered bad, you know, some of the illegal activities, like, you know, and and, uh, 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 and that. But I didn't—I didn't I didn't go find a church. I didn't start reading the Bible. I just—I call it my escaping the flames years. That's all I was doing, escaping the flames, until— now we're talking 1997. We got married. I met my wife, Kathy, in 94. She was at the same exact place I was. She was saved, quote, unquote, but not doing anything about it, not pursuing God. And we, we got married, and she said she wanted to put God in the center of her marriage. And I said, well, okay, I'm okay with God. I'll do that. Okay. And I wanted to marry her, so I said, okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, we started going to church, and there was this church, our church had, it was Faith Temple at the time on Elmwood Avenue, and they had a class called Catechism, it was called Understanding God. And it's just investigating the things of God, mainly from, and they kind of charismatic Pentecostal, Sure. And uh, uh, from the Holy Spirit's uh, uh, point of thinking. And and I didn't want to go. She said, "Well, it's just a class. It's Tuesday nights for nine months. Nine months! Oh
0: my. <laughs> They're having <laughs> I mean, a baby. That's I mean, amazing." <laughs> listen,
2: honey, I'm, 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 We're going to church once a week. You know, I've, i I, uh, I read my Bible monthly. Mm-hmm. This just sounds a little, you know, over the top for me. Nine weeks of Tuesday. So, I finally came to the conclusion as a newly married husband that I would, I would be a man and go for her. Right? Yeah. Mm. I'll, okay, honey, <laughs> I'll go. Listen, I'm not doing the homework. I'm not. Do, uh, act, I'm not getting engaged. I'm just going to breathe the air. Oh, she said you're going to audit the class. Now, I never went to college, so I didn't know what audit the class meant. Yeah. And I said, what's audit mean? So you're just going to go and you're going to you're going to you're going to listen, but you're not going to participate. That's what I'm doing. I'm yeah.
0: going to go <laughs> audit the class. Yeah, you know? sure, that sounds good. And yeah.
2: I'll do it for you because I'm a good guy. Yeah. And uh, I went. In, I walked into the classroom. And uh, Kathy told the teacher uh, of the class that, uh, you know, Mike's—because it was the third—if I didn't make it to this one, I, I couldn't go. Like, if you didn't make it by the third one, you, you couldn't join that class. It was You got too far behind. And uh, she had been telling her she was trying to get me here, uh, Pastor Sandra Felder, and— uh, uh, he says, "Oh, we're so happy to have you, Mr. Hennessy. We're, you know, so so happy that you're here." And I said, "Well, I'm here to audit the class, and I know to why I know her well enough now to see what she was walking away in her breath saying, I'll jack you up, here. I'll audit <laughs> audit my class, right? I'm going to come in and I'm going to audit Understanding God, right? Um, but I know when I've had this conversation, with, I'll jack you, I'll give you audit the class." <laughs> He jacked me up several times. But it was in that class, and I know that there were people, because Kathy had been talking to people, trying to get me to come, that were praying for me. And I was walking into that class on covenants, and there were several prayer warriors in there praying for me. And then comes this heaping mass of arrogance, walking into this sanctuary to hear a class on understanding God called covenants. And she started speaking about covenants, and, uh, you know, it just hit me like a Paul on the horse to Damascus moment that God, the God of the universe, the God I had received six years ago, wanted a personal relationship mm. with me. And uh, and I was just, the only way I can explain it, I was filled with the Holy Spirit. And I wasn't looking for it. I was fighting it. Mm. I was fighting. I think God likes a good fight once in a while.
1: <laughs> well, so I, I want to pause right there because there's more to your job story and just this story is so fascinating. Um, I think John and I were just drawn in. I guess what I'm curious, if you go back to Michael Hennessy of 1989, yeah. what role, like, priority-wise was his job, you know, and what would you say to him about that? Because it seemed like, I mean, you mentioned, like, didn't have time to go see your mother that was dying. Yeah, too busy. Too busy, you know, with – and it just – You know, I'm wondering for some of our listeners, how did they know that they're going down that path of maybe their job is not in a healthy place in their mind?
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. So in 1989, you know, like I said, my brother had found the reason for the universe and and was working on me. And all I could think of is, Dan, get a, you know, get a job, man. This is nice, fluffy stuff you got going on here. But I was— I was just made, I went from salesman in the beer company to sales supervisor. So I had arrived and I was on, I was on an upward trajectory. I was going to Ireland for Guinness. I was starting to get accolades. I was starting to uh, really pick up my career. And that's why I didn't have time to find a church or study a Bible because no, I'm, I'm good, Dan. I'm good. I don't. I don't. I'm. I'm glad that, that that it's working for you, but I'm good because I'm. Everything's going the way I want it, and so I had uh, no time for uh, spiritual things at that moment. But yet I had this underlying guilt, and I had this underlying um, void in my life, and it just. Uh, you know, it's at the point as I look back at it now. That, uh, you know, all the things I thought were most important really weren't.
0: <laughs> mm. So would you say that that guilt was there before your mom went through her battle with cancer, that you were just experiencing that inner s- kind of underlying?
2: Yeah. I was burying it. Yeah. I was bare. I had buried that guilt. Yeah. Deep. And,
0: and, and work was a way to cope with it. That. Absolutely.
2: That's how could I think about guilt when I was working 72 80 hours a week trying to, you know, and that's the other thing. You know, my father was a was a very highly functioning great uh, 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 provider but an alcoholic. My, mm. my dad was an alcoholic our our life's growing up. My mom went to Al-Anon eventually and we had intervention and he quit, but we had my dad and I had an emotional disconnect when I was growing up. You know, I was, you know, just didn't come to my games and, you know, and, and just things, this wasn't connected. Um, Great provider, worked for the post office from the, at the window of the post office, in Geneva, New York for, since the Pony Express, you know, and every Danny Boy Hennessy, you know, everybody's favorite, everybody wanted to say, see Danny at the front, at the window of the post and they kept trying to promote him off it, but he didn't want to, you want to see all his friends, you know? So anyway, um, but I grew up and I look, as I look back now on my, uh, I, that all that time I was, on that upward inflection, that was a, I had become a Sigma six ninja recognition seeker. Mm. I was, I would work 72, 92, 102 hours for so, anyone who would give me that, that, that fatherly recognition that I didn't get from my dad just to get an attaboy or a pat on the back. Good job, Mike, Yeah. because I didn't get those, that from my dad. So I was a recognition seeker and that fueled a, a very highly functioning alcoholism for about 15 years of my life. Wow.
1: That's, that's just so powerful right there because, you know, we're all addicted to something. You know, we, we did an episode on addiction with Paul Rankin and, you know, the funny thing is it's culturally okay to be addicted to your job. Yeah. Like it's, you know, we don't say it, but it's culture, like, Let's say you didn't even have alcohol like, oh, Michael's, you know, doing 102 hours and I'm going to bring up, you know, my least favorite football team. John knows where I'm going here. But like we look at someone like Bill Belichick and we're like, yeah. you know, he sleeps over at the Patriots office and he's successful. But like at what cost? Right.
2: At the cost of everything that's really important in life, I, you know, one could submit. Yes, providing for your family is something that's important in life, but you can do that in about fifty hours. Easy. Mm-hmm.
0: So, so how did? Let, let's take that 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 time machine back again now and kind of visit you in ninety seven. You have this experience with Jesus that's really real to you, and you've had quite a work history up to that point. You've kind of medicated through work, and yeah. I think that's. A lot of us do that. Yep. I think that your story right there is is hitting people, even as they listen to this, because that's a way, it's very socially acceptable in our culture to medicate yeah. through work. Yeah. So.
2: That was my coping mechanism, the work. And, yeah, the, and the alcohol was the prescription.
0: Totally, totally. So now you have this encounter with Jesus and I assume everything doesn't change like overnight, overnight, maybe it does, but but how do you start to view your jobs and your work from that point forward?
2: Yeah, great question because it was it was in that moment, and I'll tell you a little bit about my baptism experience, my first baptism experience because it was it was it was incredible. I was I had, we had classes about baptism, what it meant the old man, new man coming up, you know a new creation, new being and I and I I, I, I was still smoking heavily. I had kind of, Hold back. I was I, w- I, w- I stopped drinking a keg a week mm-hmm. and a beer. Mm-hmm. Um, but the smoking was still crazy. And I chain smoked all the way to my baptism. Yeah. And I was having an argument with God mm. because I knew that I'm supposed to come out of this baptism as a new creation, but I'm not gonna quit smoking. I know it's wrong. Kathy wants me to quit Everyone wants to quit, but I'm not quitting. So mm. I don't know what you're gonna do. I don't know how you're gonna square that with the new man, but I'm not quitting. Mm. And I went down in the water, and I came up, and I walked over to my coat, and I grabbed my cigarettes, and I handed them to my pastor. And I did, it was all subconscious to me. Yeah. Wow. And I never touched another cigarette again. So I learned two things that day. God's not intimidated when I argue with him. Mm. And uh, he said, okay, you're struggling with this. I'll just take it from you. Wow. Now, I did not not have cravings. I had cravings I craved. But I, w- I would go to work, and I would come home, and Kathy would cook me dinner, and I'd go to bed. <laughs> I, the only time I wasn't worn with the thing was when I was asleep. Yeah. But I knew in my nor I was never going to touch a cigarette again. Huh. So that was this kind of like a kind of confirmation that the Holy Spirit was doing something in me after that. And that kind of got my attention again. Wow, this is a different kind of life. Yeah. And I asked God in 1997, I Lord, I want you to use my gifts and talents to advance the kingdom. I made a, I asked him to do that at that time. And uh about twelve years later, in three <laughs> years of three, uh, three three four three three, four, three-year stints at jobs that really started out very promising and then dried up, and started promising and dried up, and started promising and dried up, and about the third time that happened, I wonder, I learned something. I said because when I asked God to use my gifts and talents to advance the kingdom, which were sales and marketing, but uh, um, I said, but you know, I can handle my career part. Uh-huh. I'll hold that, and I'll give you everything except you and, all, you and I know I can handle
0: that. Yeah.
2: And about the third time it dried out and started great and dried out, I said, okay, I get it now. I get it now. And I gave him my career. And then he supernaturally moved me into the job that was my best job in those 12 years, and then he moved me to the Open Door Mission supernaturally.
0: Wow. So what was that best job that you had during those 12 years? <laughs> was well, I would, had
2: been a News Talk fan since 1989. Uh-huh. And uh, and uh, I got a job selling for Wham well, 1180. I mean, you're going to sell news talk in this town. That's that's the premier job. And right. and uh, you know all the guys there had been there 20 years. And I, you know, and I started out at the bottom of the barrel. But I was in news talk radio in Rochester, and, and I started. And you know, God used that. I want to tell you a quick story about how that happened because that's a, that's pretty wild too. Is uh, I was at a job I wasn't happy with. It had gone. It was on the tail end of it going sour at a different radio station. And I heard Wham eleven eighty advertising for a sales rep. And he, Oh God, that's it. I'm I need to do that. But I had learned. I said, I had been moving to, from job to job, saying, "Okay, Lord, I'm going. I'm going now. Bless me."
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, two or three times before that, and both times he would, "Well, you can go if you want, but I'll sustain you when you when you're getting ahead of God. He'll sustain you. But it, you know, He has a promised land over here. You can go around that mountain if you want, but mm-hmm. it's. What I have for you is over here. By this time, I said I'm not moving until you move me, mm-hmm. and uh, so I didn't apply for the the job. And then, then, then the job uh, uh, spot stopped. And I said, "See, you made me miss it." Mm. And then I made a deal with God, and I said, and I, and I was reading uh, uh, Judges six with uh, Oh my God, it's not coming to my Gideon. Gideon, Gideon. Yeah. Who laid well out done. a fleece? Well done. Thank Gideon. you. Yeah, Thank you. Well Pastor, done. okay. You get this you get to stay another week, Pastor. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this question is for me. Who knows? <laughs> there you go. So I laid out a fleece. I said, Lord, if you know what I wanted that job. If I hear this that ad again over the next three days, I'm gonna see that as you're okay for me to go and apply. First day, nothing, second day, nothing, third day, eleven hour. There it is. And uh, I, I I had my resume ready, and I went to the the radio said send the resume to this person. The website said send send the resume to that person. Neither one of them was the person. I said, who's the sales manager at Wham? And so I I sent it to him. Yeah. The next morning I went to work at my old job, and and a colleague came up to my up to me, and she said, hey, Mike, would would you ever consider working at Wham? <laughs> I'm like. I'm like shocked. I said, why would you even ask me that? You know, and who's who's listening? And uh, I said, why? Uh, I don't know why. Why would you? Well, the 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 sales manager is my next door neighbor, and he's looking for somebody, and I gave him your cell number. Is that okay? <laughs> it's the guy who I mailed it to. Wow. Now, I'm looking at this guy's name and number, and I know he's going to get my resume in about eight hours. hmm So I said, okay, I probably won't call. I'll put it in my pocket. And I didn't call him. Mm-hmm. Next day he called me. Yeah. And he offered me a job and I went to work at Wham. Only this time it was from a not from a place of strength. It's like, oh, I don't know. They're taking care of me really good over there. I don't know. Maybe I will, maybe I won't. It was just so what the whole point was is when you when I finally gave up the thing I was holding on to from Mm -hmm. God, when I finally gave the job to him, Mm -hmm. then he then he can start moving people around like chess pieces. Yeah. And he can make things just happen. Well. That's, that's huge. And I can't
1: wait for us to talk about open door mission. I, I do want to come back to something that we had in a pre conversation, you know, during that 12 years, you made a comment to me. You're like, maybe I shouldn't have left the beer oh. job. And, and the reason I want to ask you that is like, so there's a couple things. Number one, I'm thinking of some of our listeners, they're listening and they're like, Jesus, if I give my life to Jesus, I'm going to have to quit the beer job because all these Christians are going to judge me at church. Yeah, And then there's the other side to that question, which like, I'm sure there's a lot of 20 somethings that are asking themselves this question of like, when, when do I know that I I've stayed past my welcome to leave, you know? And We see a lot of people changing jobs and, and it's kind of like, well, in order for me to be successful, if I want that director role that's up, I actually have to leave and then come back. And so it's not, and there's an organization. So tell us about the beer story about how, you know, maybe you should have stayed or maybe you should have gone.
2: So the beer story is, you know, when I left the beer business, when I had my spiritual awakening, let's say that. Yeah. And I well, I got to leave the beer business. I, got, I can't hang around with a bunch of beer guys, mm. right? But I wasn't God wasn't saying that to me. I was saying that to me. Uh, that's interesting, yeah. In my immaturity and my, you know, I had, you know, in you know, the, sometimes especially beginning Christians we can have a lot more zeal than wisdom. Mm. And I think, you know, and I and I think about that now and I said, I don't have any idea whether I was supposed to lose leave that job or not. But he sustained me anyway. That's why I said, when you get out ahead of God, I'm going, Lord, bless me. Now, I didn't ask him what I should do. Yeah. I just said, I'm going, Lord, bless me. And he'll say, maybe, mm. <clears throat> maybe not. But he'll always sustain you when you get ahead of him. Like I said, I have a, I have a position for you that I created for you in your mother's womb. Mm. But you can go do that if you want. You can go around that mountain again. I mean, the promised land was an 11-day journey, but that took the Israelites 40 years, right? You can go around that mountain again if you want. Yeah. I got the promised land over here whenever you're ready to wait and hear from me. Mm, wow. So my point, and I remember given, and I'm going to answer your question this way, I was given the testimony about this wham job, about how God used the wham job and uh, and how God brought me into it with a just Absolute supernatural. You couldn't you couldn't make that up. The way that happened. If I described it right, mm-hmm. and I was given the testimony at a businessman's fellowship meeting with Gary Pastor and John Fertari, my buddies, and I said, "So that's the le- lesson of the the moral of the lesson, guys. Is you know what are you holding on to?" that if you give the God, he'll release. And the the whole point was you have to wait on God, right? Mm -hmm. I said, you have to, for me, you have to wait on God to make that, help you make that decision to move and wait for him to. And then John Fertari was sitting behind me, but he said, yeah, Mike, but what about the guys that wait too much?
0: Yeah, kind of what Peter was asking.
2: Yeah, what about the guys that wait too much? And then it hit me, I said, okay. I hear that's a really good point. So here's how I ended the testimony: If your uh, uh, in, in your 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 ongoing inclination is to go, mm. then you should wait. Mm-hmm. And if your natural inclination is to wait, then you should go. In other words, is do whatever you have to trust God more for. Mm. Wow. Wow. When you're in a position that, I don't know whether I should go or should I stay, and if you've been going your whole life and asking God to bless you as you go, then I would say, wait on God to give you the answer. But if you're in that spot and I can't decide whether I should go or not, something's happening, but, I can't, then, but your inclination is to wait, Yeah. then go. mm mm-hmm. Because the answer is lies in whenever wherever you have to trust God more.
0: Wow! So obviously this time at WHAM, as you described it, was like your best job, mm-hmm. right? So you're. It was
2: is. it was twelve of the it was five of the twelve year wilderness journey. Right. And it worked out great until they until it got bought out. Ah. Then then uh, Bain Capital comes in and buys out Clear Channel, Mitt Romney's company. Yeah. Mitt Romney bought me out.
0: Oh. Well, you
2: know what happens when Mitt Romney buys you out. You know, 50% of the sales force gets cut. Right. So that you can show the stockholders that we're making money now. See how smart I am?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this this podcast brought to you by Mitt Romney. Yes. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but
0: so, so Mitt Romney comes along, buys the company, then you lose your job.
2: I got laid off.
0: You got laid off. And And now uh, how do you decide what to do? Because this is a totally another experience that some people are. are, are,
2: I'm I'm about to tell you my second supernatural experience, uh, spiritual experience. So uh, Gary Pastro had asked me to join the board of the Open Door Mission three years ago. And actually it was four years ago that he kept started asking me because I started going to these businessman fellowship mission ministries meetings. And he asked me, I'd really like to consider coming on. He was a chair of the board of the mission. I said, really, to think you consider coming on. We need some development help and, you know, some public relations, some marketing, you know, ideas. And I want you to come on the board. And I kept telling him, because I was kept having a new job every three years. I said, Gary, I'd love to, but I, I can't. I got a kid coming. I got a new job. I got a new house. I got, I can't do this. And then one, not, one time I told him no, and then I felt the Lord just speak to me. And, and I woke up, and no, the thing with the Gary, the mission thing, I want you to do the thing with Gary. <laughs> That's how God talks to me. So yeah, Do the thing with Gary. So I called him up and said, I was wrong. The answer is yes. And I joined the board of the mission in 06, three years before I got laid off. God. And uh, uh, the night I got, the day I got laid off, I thought I was going to start a business because he had given me two ideas while I was there. One was my own business. Uh, I thought it was going to be, I was going to go entrepreneurial. It was going to be an advertising agency. Because I was working in advertising it. It was a biblically-based advertising agency, And I don't go in there what was biblically-based about it. But he also let me uh, uh, fill in for a radio show that was happening on HDK. A lawyer had a radio show on HDK on Saturday morning, three hours of radio. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and you want me to fill in? I've never done radio. But sure, why not? And I can yeah. talk for three hours. And, <laughs> and I did. But anyway, that's when he planned Good News Talk in me, mm. what I'm doing now. And, uh, uh, but, uh, I called Gary after I got laid off and I said, Gary, you know, I just want to let you know, it's all good. I got laid off, but everything's good. I got a plan. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the next board meeting, they asked me to be out of nowhere and it wasn't even, it wasn't even Gary. It was the other, another board members. So we had been making some changes and so how we're doing some business I had initiated and said, well, if we're going to make all these changes and, and we're going to, you know, uh, do all this stuff, then I think we need a full-time development director. And I think it should be Hennessy. Mm. I said, oh, <laughs> so totally, I looked unprepared. up and I said, yeah. 1997, I asked Do you to use my gifts and talents to advance the kingdom. And 12 years later, you just, mm. out of nowhere, I'm the mission's first development director. Then two years later, they made me the director. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I thought I had arrived at my de- final destination. Hey, I'm running a crazy religious organization. Thank you, Lord. But, uh, that's what we did. We, uh, we started uh, 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 bringing in some new marketing and, and public relations and some different uh, uh, initiatives of the mission. And we started uh, bearing fruit. And, you know, when they asked me to be the director, I was like, why would you do that? Right. Why would you take me out of my sweet spot? I'm advancing the kingdom of God for this place. Let me go do what I do. Let me be the sales guy. Yeah. Well, we need you. You need me to learn programs and finance and pro and and, and facilities. I I mean, I, we need you. Okay, so you step up and do it. But uh, sometimes I wish I said, "No, nah, I go find somebody else. I'll keep doing the fun job." Yeah. <laughs> Development director, of the mission is the best job in the building.
0: Yeah, 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 it really is. Well,
1: we've had Zeb and Anna. Zeb and we, Anna, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
2: here. So I hired Anna. I tried to hire Zeb when I was there, but the program director didn't. Anyway, yeah. but <laughs> well, I hired it. Anna and, and, and recommended Zeb. Mm-hmm.
1: So uh, tell us about the transition where you are now. You were at Open Door Mission, yeah. and now mm-hmm. you're doing the Good News Talk, because I think that that's going to be super helpful for our listeners. Yeah,
2: so again, I thought the mission was a destination. I, you know, it was the end of a 12-year cultivation of, trying to find a way to advance the kingdom in my work and how to apply my gifts and talents towards the kingdom of God. So certainly I thought the mission was where I would retire from, but it didn't work out that way, you know? And uh, what I learned about that is, uh, you know, we, we tend to overstay our seasons. Uh, God is trying to move us in the fall, but we like summer.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, uh, I thought it was a destination, but he knew it was just a part of the journey on the way to something different. And I had to learn something there, but uh, and but I wasn't willing to go. So he they he starts putting pebbles in your shoes, and some of them have names. You know, (laughs) I'm not going to name the pebbles in my (laughs) shoes. But he places irritants in our life. No, it's it's time to go. Mm -hmm. And so uh, when I left the mission, I, I knew that it was okay. It was a 12 year delay in my entrepreneurial opportunity to advance the kingdom, and I became a development consultant. Tennessee Advancement Solutions, and the idea was to to take those development skills for faith-based organizations and apply it to other faith-based organizations, and uh, uh, coming alongside some 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 you know grassroots agencies and trying to help them with their development one day a week. So you know they can't a, a faith-based gra- a grassroots faith-based organization doesn't have a development department. But you know I thought that if I could come alongside four of them a day a week, then I could help four grow. But it it you know it. It's uh you know my well I don't want to get into it. it. it I believe now God brought me out of the mission and into entrepreneurship to break me clear me from the idea that I needed a full-time job and the source of my income to be that secure. He wanted to bring me into entrepreneurship and he used and he used that idea, which was born in 2008. Uh, uh, that. And I became an entrepreneur to the chagrin of my wife. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he's been working with her too and, and speaking to her. And then uh, I got a call from another news talk radio station in town, Bob Savage at YSL down in Avon called, he called me the first time I left WAMS. He hey, I'd like you to come down and consider, you know, working with us down here in, in, the, in, the, in Avon. And I said, well, maybe I'll think, it. but then the mission happened. When I left the mission the second time, you know, when he found out a year later, he called me, hey, you know, I heard you left the mission. Why don't you come down and work with us? And, and I said, well, no, thanks, Bob. But I'm doing this faith-based development consulting thing. So thanks anyway. But, uh, but I tell you what, I'll pray for it. I'll pray about it. And I prayed about it. And then I woke up with this <laughs> fantasy. <laughs> what about the radio show? I gave you that idea too, remember? Good news talk. What about the show, Mike? What about the show? So I said, oh, yeah, the show. So I called him back and said, I might be interested in working with you. I got this idea for a radio show called Good News Talk. And he said, it's about connecting faith to the marketplace. And it's not a Christian station. It's a secular station. He said, you start Saturday at 2. You're the host. <laughs> I go, Lord, <laughs> is that you? And, uh, and yeah, we had to go out and find a few sponsors. But that was starting in October. We started the show. And the show it's a shows bearing fruit. We've We've doubled the listenership in our time period, and we, we originally bought an hour, and now it, she's running it five times a week. And he loves the content; and it's bringing new people to the station, and God's blessing it, and it's hitting. So he's using it. So now it's. So I could, as as the consulting thing started to kind of dry on the vine, yeah. You know, I, I, uh, and I felt like God was moving me back into, you know, when when you ask God to advance the kingdom in your work, you think you have to be working with a church or a faith-based organizations and do that. And no, not necessarily. He's got a lot of people, faith-based folks in the ministry. He needs a few, maybe a few more faith-based folks working out in the marketplace. So he's kind of brought me full circle back to news talk radio and Mar- and I have my show to advance the kingdom with. So.
1: I, I want to come back to something because John, I don't know if you feel this, but I, I feel this and I'm sure a lot of our listeners feel this where Like, so I was in a job situation that the end was not a fun ending. Like it just, and I I think the lie that we kind of believe is like, there's no mulligans. There's no, and you're sitting here just effortlessly. Like I took this job. It probably wasn't a big deal or probably I shouldn't have, and I'm good with it. And, like, I think if I was to ask people, like, what would be the worst career outcome? I think many of them would say, like, getting let go, getting fired, having a bot. But, like, you're this shining example. And even if people don't believe, like, they're listening to you, they're like, this guy prays too much. This guy. (laughs) No, he doesn't. Trust me. (laughs) This guy, like, you know, he doesn't leave if God speaks to him. But, like, what would you say to that person that, you know, that you're like, hey, like, it isn't the worst thing to get let go. It isn't the worst thing to get, like, how would you say to them? I mean, your whole job career has been kind of the odds against you in some ways that kind of landed you here. You know, what would you say to that person?
2: I would just say this, that, you know, as much as I like to to, to gloss over things, losing my job at Wham!, and losing my job at the mission were devastating. And they both still hurt to this day. But uh, especially at the mission, I had learned that uh, God's a God of the mountaintop and God's the God of the valley. And we like the mountaintop. I mean... When, when I was going from WAM to the mission and from development director to executive director, I was just flying from mountaintop to mountaintop. And, you know, and all, all those times I'm waving to God, and, hey, God, bless me. I, bless you. I'll see you Sunday, right? And I was, and it, but it's, you know, God's a God of the mountaintops and of the valley and of the wilderness. But God brings you into the wilderness, A, for two, in the wilderness and the valley for two, A, and brings you into the wilderness to, to, to uh, 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 burn stuff out of you that has to get burned out of you this uh, refinery and the silver is the idea and then he brings you into a valley to grow stuff into you you know nothing grows on the mountaintop you ever notice that it's pretty scraggly up there all the growth happens in the valley and if he doesn't bring you into the wilderness to burn it out in the valley to, to grow it in then you'll die on the next higher mountaintop because you can't breathe the air mm-hmm. So I've learned that these these setbacks, are the valley, but and we love the mountaintop, but God loves the valley. Because in the mountaintop, I'm going from accolade to accolade. I'm just, I'm, I'm having a very uh, superficial relationship with God. In the valley, I'm desperate for him, and that's his favorite time. Mm-hmm. And and uh, uh, I would just say that, uh, you know, we always, I think a lot of folks in church think, you know, the, the bad things happen, it's the enemy. Not usually, I don't think. I've learned that it's usually God working something into you or burning something out of you. Um but uh, God is the is the author of uh, resurrection, and you can't have a resurrection without a death. Yeah.
0: Well, as I hear you talk, one of the themes that I pick up throughout your whole story, it seems to me that there's this belief that God really has what's good for you. Yeah. Like, God has the best plan for your life. Yeah. How about for those people who are really struggling with that concept today? What would you tell them? Yeah. Like the, the concept that God really has what's best for me.
2: I would say that I think that uh, if, you, if we're thinking that way, it's probably because we put a, too much a high value on comfort. You know, in this country, comfort means everything to us. And uh, we think that if, if we're loved by God, we're comfortable. But uh, sometimes, if if you're, if God has a plan for you, and you're not in it, He has to make you uncomfortable. That's the only way He can get you from the from the place that's good to the place that's greater. Because, like I said, I, uh, Wham was the was the was the was the peak of my marketing career. I didn't want to leave Wham, but he had something better. I just had to trust him. You know, and he showed me through this, you know, how do you how do you get through a wilderness? You trust God and you keep walking.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, uh, that's what he showed me. If I just trust him and keep walking, he'll bring me to the next higher mountaintop. He just got to burn something out and pour something in first, or I'll die up there. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: So let's come back to your new radio show. Um, where do you see faith disconnected from the marketplace the yeah. most?
2: I start out every show by saying that this, that the, the premise of the show is to reconnect faith to the marketplace. Because uh, I, I believe that when God created the earth, it wasn't just he spoke it into existence, didn't he? And he spoke in the, the manifest of the men and the women and the birds and the bees and the animals. But when he spoke it into existence, it wasn't just this, it's, it's the manifest of the creatures. It was its operating system. There's a way this works. And, uh, and, it's, and it's, I believe, the way is mind, body, and spirit. For It's like the Trinity of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's mind, body, and spirit. And it's in everything. And the, the, the world is always trying to solve problems without faith. They're trying to solve it using two of the components, mind and body. But until you insert faith into it, it'll never work permanently. Where he showed me this the most definitively was at the mission. For eight years, we had twelve or twelve to fifteen guys in our one-year, twelve-month drug and alcohol residential drug uh, 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 program, and every year we'd get twenty new guys in the program. And to a man, you could, I could, I could predict two of them will, ten of or uh, excuse me, get it right, Uh, uh, five of them will say, "I've been to twenty programs and nothing worked till I got here," because we added faith. And then what was harder to learn that two of them would always say, I had faith, and I had an addiction, and I went to my pastor, and he told me just to read my Bible more. Mm-hmm. Oh. And I realized after being in it long enough that that pastor is, is, is not uh, 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 working with mind and body. Yeah. You're not recognizing the biological the, the and clinical aspects of addiction. Mm-hmm. So if you're only going to treat faith, you're not going to help many people either. It's all God and created it with all three all the time. So what we have to do is take all these problems, whether it's poverty or homelessness or city education crisis or the opioid crisis and add an element of faith. And I say it this way with the city school district, because I I say this a lot. It's a big topic of mine. It's a crisis. These kids are getting lost. And, uh, you know, hey, listen, guys, we, I get it. Brown versus Board of Education happened. They took out prayer in school. Now what does the church do? It's not just nothing. It's not just stay in our pews and cocoon. Now what do we do? And now I've worked with pastors, David Singleton. He's got his church working in four stools, schools, coming in and, and praying with the kids and giving them Bible stories and, and, and ministering to these kids. And every church can do that with a school if if they kick prayer out, we'll walk it back in because we have the first amendment right to do that. And, uh, that's gets me off on another tangent, but <laughs> it's, it's about the, every problem out there is not going to be solved permanently or resolutely until we had faith.
1: So let's close with these two questions. This has been a rich conversation. Um, I feel like you, <laughs> I feel like you're that uncle at, at the family get together. Crazy
2: uncle. Yeah. No, 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 no.
1: You're, you're the uncle, you're the uncle in the corner that like the, you know, the kids come to and they're like, tell me, tell me about this job change. And you're like, oh, I'll tell you, you know, like, so, Um, I, I guess this. why do you care what job that I choose? And we're saying, why does God care about what job? What's your most practical advice, you know, to someone that's, choosing a job right now will say, you know, they're in their 20s, they're they they're trying to get up the career ladder, you know, how would you directly respond to this question based on the story you just told us about yourself?
2: I believe that whether you're walking with God or you're interested in God or whether you were have anything to do where you could be an atheist, God created you and he created you with a plan and a purpose <laughs> from before you were in your mother's womb. And he knitted you together in your mother's womb, and he also knitted into your operating into that your operating system, <clears throat> which are the gifts and talents that he gave you naturally. And he has a plan and a purpose for those gifts and talents that he gave you. And you can choose to follow him and find out what that purpose is, or you can choose to use him for whatever you decide you want to use him for. But I can guarantee you, without a doubt and doubt, knowing in my knower. That until you find God's purpose for the plans and the gifts and the talents that he put in you, you won't be happy because you're operating outside of your plan, Mm. even if it's making a lot of money. So I would just say to you, if you're making a lot of money and you've got gifts and talents and you've found materialistic treasures to those to pay off, are you you happy? And I bet your answer is not completely. It's because... You have to find God's purpose. And it may be pretty close. You may be pretty close. You may be diametrically opposed. But just start asking God, if you're out there, what should I be doing with this?
0: Mm. Yeah. And that sounds like a dangerous question to ask and a scary question. But as someone who has lived through different seasons of that, of discovering that question, the feeling I get from you is that you say it's a worthy question yeah. to ask at yeah. the same time.
2: Because every time he, he takes me out of my preferred comfort zone, he brings me into something better every wow. single time. Wow.
0: Well, we end all of our podcasts this way. This is kind of how we our tradition here is that we ask the same question and say, what would Jesus say about this question? So Peter and I tend to go first, and then we let our guests, have the honored spot of going final, and um, I think it's appropriate question for us to ask: What would Jesus say about this concept? God, why do you care about what job I choose? Peter, you got oh, any thoughts? Are sure. Refer to, to me. I don't know.
1: Whatever. I I got this. I, I I I I always throw you under the yeah. bus, so <laughs> I I might as well. Um, so so I think about the story. There's a story in Luke 18. Um, about this man named Zacchaeus and he his job I mean imagine someone who worked for the IRS that they would actually profit off charging you more and he made just a career of that and all of a sudden he meets Jesus and he says I'm going to pay everybody back four times as much as I've taken from them and I, I've always just wondered if he kept on being a tax collector. I've always just wondered, you know, why do you drop that story in there? Why did the writer of Luke think that that's important? And I, I go back and I think about the characters in the New Testament. you know, in the there's a church in the town of Philippi that a Roman soldier comes to know Jesus and Matthew, who probably wrote one of the Gospels, was a tax collector. And you never hear Jesus say, like, drop your job. So I think what we can infer from that, God does care about the job that you have. And even listening um, to Michael, you know, maybe it's not about the job. It's about why you want the job. You know, someday you might get offered a promotion, and you're sitting there and you're thinking this is 50,000 more dollars, this is you know, more trips, more fun, more power, but at the end of the day, it's gonna rot your soul. There's other times where that same promotion's offered, but what you really see is, wow, I have a chance to influence and help more people and help move this organization forward. Same benefits, but the question is, is why? And maybe it's multiple. And I wonder if what Jesus is saying is, "I don't really care about your job. I, I care why you're doing it." And if you're open and if you experience me like Zacchaeus, it's amazing how that job changes. So,
0: yeah, I mean, as soon as we started talking about this, it's interesting you mentioned Matthew because i my mind went exactly to the other disciples that Jesus called kind of the four fishermen friends that they, they, Jesus walks by them as they're mending their nets on the shore. He has interactions with them before he's borrowed their boat, but somehow in the middle of all of this, he speaks to them and he says, I want you to come follow me. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to turn you from being just a fisherman to a fisher of people, like to someone who fishes for people. I'm gonna take, as you said, Michael, I'm gonna take your natural giftings and I'm gonna amplify those in a way that's actually gonna bring benefit to the world mm. because I'm amplifying the way that I've created you. I've created you to know fishing, but but boy, am I gonna take this in to a different level. And what's so weird about that story is that they actually do it. Like They actually drop everything and follow Jesus and as I think about that I'm like was that some jedi mind trick that he used on them like that <laughs> as a kid that's what I always thought it was like some sort of like jedi wave that he did and they just followed him but uh, when I read it, I'm like, no, I don't think so. I think they probably understood that there was something different about mm. Jesus that was worthy of following. They had been around him. They'd seen enough of him to know that if he's <laughs> calling me to do something, it's the right thing to do. And he has what's best for me. And I think yes. that yeah, he always is, does. is kind of the bottom line to the whole question. <laughs> and so, Michael, you get to answer this finally. Uh, you get to bring it home. I do hope you'll you'll let people know again too where to listen to you on the radio because I I think that's a a cool thing for people to be able to do. But how would you answer this?
2: So when you were saying, uh, you know, Jesus came up and said, you know, follow me, drop everything and follow me. I find it interesting that uh, you know he came to to Peter and said who was a fisherman. He said, you know, leave everything and follow me but he didn't sell his boat. Mm. Mm-hmm. When he came to Matthew, the tax collector, he said Matthew, leave everything and follow me. And then he had dinner in his house the next day. So he didn't leave his house. He didn't leave his Peter didn't leave his job. He didn't sell his boat. Matthew didn't leave his house and sell his house. What I think that we we all think that it's like why why should I leave the job? You know, don't, you don't may not necessarily have to leave your job. You just have to leave your job being first in your life. Mm-hmm. You know, what I think Jesus was saying to Peter and Matthew and the other apostles was, he could have said it this way. Peter, the fisherman, stop putting Fisher being a fisherman first and follow me. Matthew, stop being a tax collector first and follow me. Put me ahead of being a tax collector. And now you'll be blessed because you're putting me first. You don't have to leave everything. It's not about—Jesus isn't asking you to follow him to put you through pain. He's asking you to follow him because he wants what's best for you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's to me I've learned, you know, it, the, the verse that says, you know, when you do your work, do it not as under men, do it under me. Because if you do it under men, it's a job. It's a grind. It becomes a grind. I don't care how much. You know, do it long enough, it becomes a grind. If you do it as unto the Lord, there's other things that you're doing about it that bring you joy. That doesn't matter. What that changes the grind. It changes now. You have. It's from going from success to significance. I read a book called Halftime once, and and it was the the the, the thing. It's there's you could have drive yourself for success and oh and, and and attain a level of success success, but never have any significance in it. Mm. But if you get to your halftime in life, would be I'm past that, that forty five. But if you get to your halftime and if you just rethink what you're doing and just pursue significance, you may not even have to leave your job. But pursue significance because you can't attain significance without having success. So it's just a it's a slight tweak tweak on the on the program. Yeah, and and then and then to me, my favorite verse is I think I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago is, is that I've been living by over the last few years is Proverbs sixty nine, man makes his plan but the Lord directs his steps, and uh, and I've added a couple of asterisks to that. Man makes his plan. Well, you have to pray about the plan. You can't just go and say Lord bless me. Well, you can, but He'll just sustain you. So pray about the plan, and then you have to take a step. He can direct he can he he can direct a step that you haven't taken, but he usually doesn't. He usually asks you to take a step in faith. Trust me with this step. And then listen for the next step, and he'll direct your steps. And it may not be the place that you thought, but it'll be the place that he created for you before the foundation of time. And that's where you want to be every single time. That's where the joy is. Doesn't matter what you're doing, that's where the joy is. So
1: where can we listen to you on the radio?
2: So we're on Good News Talk Radio. It's WYSL 1040 AM and 92.1 FM. Uh, the show uh, is always scheduled to run Saturdays at two, Saturdays and Sundays at two and seven. So it's on four times over the weekend, unless say, if there's some live sports sometimes, and it sometimes runs at seven a.m. on Saturday. And then if you miss it on the weekend, you can catch it Tuesday at eight, or you can always catch it on you can catch uh, five shows on the podcast anytime. WYSL dot uh, com 1040 dot com slash podcast slash good news talk
0: and I hear by the time this podcast airs there will be another great podcaster who is being interviewed that uh, people could look up as well
2: big time, big big time. biggest <laughs> biggest interview coming up big big
0: podcaster coming up.
2: Yep. Yeah. This weekend it'll be Peter Engler.
0: Whoa, there you. it why is. Why God, why? There it is. Oh, wow. Man. Look at that guy.
1: Just, just wait till we get John Amayo, then that will be the bigger, whoa. you know, so we'll get you. <laughs> uh, Michael, thank you so much. This has been a, a remarkable uh, discussion. We appreciate you. If, just remember, we are at whygodwhypodcast.com. Um, If you take a moment on your podcast app, uh, please don't hesitate to review us. As I would say, give us a five-star review. As John would say, if you feel led, give us a five-star review. We'll take four stars.
0: We might even take three. Take what you feel like giving and be honest. You know, (laughs) be honest as long as it doesn't hurt our feelings, be honest.
2: For this podcast, God wants you to do it fine.
0: Well, Michael said it, so there you go. Michael said it. There you go, there you go. (laughs)
1: And um, you can find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram if you look up WGW Podcast. And when you mention and share us, please share uh, hashtag WGW Podcast. Thank you so very much. Have a great day.